0: Good morning. What an odd bunch we are gathering at seven in the morning on a work day and a school day to observe a a calendar holiday that reminds us of our mortality and our desperate need for new life. Yeah, there's no doubt about it as I look out on this crowd that we're all a bit strange, but that doesn't mean we're not right to be here. See, I'm convinced that we're living in a certain cultural moment where most people seem allergic to looking at reality. We're tempted to want to pretend that everything is just going to be okay in the world, to put on a good face, about even the things in the midst of war and earthquakes, evil and injustice. And sometimes, when the weight and pressure of the world seems too heavy, if we don't have a place to put all that doubt and guilt and fear, we're prone to get depressed or angry, which are really two sides of the same coin. And I think what I appreciate about the wisdom of the church calendar and the annual occurrence of Ash Wednesday is that it just won't let us pretend. Ash Wednesday gives us an honest assessment of the state of our hearts and the state of the world, but it doesn't leave us in despair because the thrust of Ash Wednesday ushers us into the loving and forgiving arms of Jesus. Now, that's all fine in theory. But if it were that easy, if it were as easy as me just saying those words, then wouldn't we all just be living in joy and forgiveness, freedom from our shame and doubt? For whatever reason, we like to disqualify ourselves from the grace of Jesus. And that's why I find so much power and invitation to trust the grace of Jesus in the passage I'm about to share. It's from Mark 2, 13 through 17, and the story goes like this. Jesus went out again beside the sea, and the whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. As he sat at dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And when the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners." Now, you know the way I read it, I see Jesus addressing two main blockades to our receiving His grace and forgiveness. The first blockade is the shame that we bear from the sum total of all of our regrettable choices, our non-choices, those thoughts that um, darken our our minds, uh, the things that we've done, that hurt people, the things that we've left undone that hurt people. Now, you have to appreciate that in this story, Levi would be considered one of the most despicable types of people you could imagine. He was a tax collector. And as much as we dislike being taxed by, say, the IRS and the government agencies in our own nation, and kids, you'll understand uh, what that means soon enough, at least, like, the IRS is one of our government agencies. I mean, say what you will about the lack of efficiency or awareness of our needs, at least our taxes generally go toward our our own schools and roads and social security and other essential services. But in first century Palestine, the Romans had imposed heavy tax burdens on the Jewish people that all went toward stuffing the royal banks back in Rome to pay for the occupying soldiers. So when you were taxed by Romans, you were paying for your own oppression. But possibly worse yet was the tax you had to pay to the Herodian family. Some of you might remember this guy, Herod the Great. He was the one that that tried to kill all these baby boys when Jesus was born because he was threatened by the new king of the Jews being born. Well, Herod the Great finally died, and when he died, he left his empire to three sons, Philip, Antipas, and Archelaus. The Herods, these brothers who owned uh, now all of these three parts of Palestine, they decided a way to fill their, their pockets with money um, was to tax people every time they, they had to cross a border. So if you were crossing from Philip's land to Archelaus's land or to Antipas's land, you would have to pay a tax. Now, it just so happened that Capernaum, where Jesus was and, and where he called Levi, that was one of these border towns. And how did these Herodians collect their taxes? They had tax collectors, and they were usually Jewish people, and they were some of the most hated people because they were considered traitors, and they were considered people who were unclean because they had associations with Gentiles like Romans and the Herodians. Now, why all this history lesson? Because Levi, the tax collector, sat at the tax booth between Herod Antipas's and Herod Philip's land. He was looked at with disgust by his fellow peers. And what's even more interesting is that we don't know if Levi applied for the job or if he was conscripted by officials when he was young because he may have shown aptitude for accounting. Either way, like anyone who has chosen a morally corrupt life, or been trafficked into one, you begin to see yourself as unredeemable and unlovable. But then Jesus passes by, and he sees Levi. He sees a man stuck in a booth, stuck in a life, just plain stuck. And he calls to him, follow me. It was an invitation to be his disciple. You know, in the last story, Jesus sees the faith of four men who lowered their paralyzed friend through a hole in the roof to meet Jesus. And in this story, Jesus sees a man in need and just reaches out on his own initiative. Oh, to have the experience of the authoritative and kind eyes of Jesus gazing at us, calling us to follow him. Whatever power was in that gaze of calling and affection, Levi left his life behind and began to follow Jesus. Jesus broke down the barrier of sin and shame that Levi carried. And if he can forgive Levi, if he can forgive a traitor to follow him, can he not also receive you and me with open arms? The gospel says yes. That's what it's all about. And that is fantastic news. But we all know that just because Jesus receives us doesn't mean everyone else will accept it. Some people are so broken themselves that they want to constantly remind us that we are unlovable, that we are unredeemable. In this story, Jesus is at a dinner party with Levi and some tax collector buddies. And they have some other friends there too who are simply described as sinners. That is, people who wouldn't traditionally be allowed in the temple or the synagogue. And the religious leaders begin to grumble and complain that Jesus would soil his reputation, even his religious cleanliness, by sharing table fellowship with such a group of unlovables. What's interesting is that Jesus doesn't pretend that this group of people aren't that bad, or that they're just misunderstood. In fact, he never challenges the notion that they actually are tax collectors, and some of them um, are sinners. But what Jesus does is remind us of why he came in the first place. Using a simple analogy, he states the obvious. Doctors spend time with sick people, not those who don't need healing. In other words, Jesus didn't come for people who were already righteous in their own minds. He comes to reach people who know their need for forgiveness and new life and rescue. If we come to Ash Wednesday like the scribes and Pharisees who think we don't need a doctor, who don't need the grace of Jesus, then there's not a lot he can do for us. But if we come with humility and enough self-awareness to know our need for Jesus, then like Levi, we're invited to come and follow. Today churches around the world will gather to respond to Jesus' call. To repent and follow him. There's lots of different ways they're going to do that. But some of them, uh, we all have some things in common, like the scriptures we heard read earlier from, from Joel and from 2 Corinthians. And many people will be administering the sign of the cross and ashes that we'll do here momentarily. And many will use some sort of litany or uh, a prayer of repentance like the one we're about to participate in from Phyllis Tickle. I invite us into this time of responding to Jesus with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our soul, and all of our strength.